This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he believes that there are a couple of favorite ways to call a community. He's my dad, Brendan Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Thank you for joining us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your Chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Diane Rogers, President and CEO of the Ranch Cordova Area Chamber, to learn how the Holman Brothers has provided value for her. As a medium-sized chamber, we recognize that it's absolutely critical to have a well-qualified and well-trained membership development person. Holman Brothers trained that person, recruited that person, and they even trained me on how to manage that person. We're grateful for the support we got. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Our guest for this episode is Doug Griffiths. Doug, you may recognize as being the, the author of 13 Ways to Kill Your Community. Doug grew up on a ranch outside of a small community where that contributed to practical education for him, giving him a strong work ethic and critical thinking skills. Education, whether he's learning or teaching, has always been an important aspect of his life. After teaching and ranching for several years, Doug successfully served as an elected member of the Legislative Assembly in the province of Alberta for four consecutive terms. In that time, he served in two senior cabinet portfolios as Minister of Municipal Affairs and Minister of Service Alberta, as well as three junior positions in Agriculture, Finance, and Solicitor General. Doug retired from politics in January 2015 to actively pursue his passion of helping communities, organizations, and businesses grow stronger. In his best-selling book, 13 Ways to Kill Your Community, Doug identifies challenges and opportunities that all our communities face. The lessons that come from those stories are applicable to all types of communities, whether they are towns, organizations, or businesses. His talents include seeing through the lies we tell ourselves, overcoming bad attitudes, targeting and focusing tactical planning, communicating with those who are afraid to change, and building enduring prosperity for communities. His passion lies in building strong communities, Because within strong communities, leadership can succeed, businesses can prosper, and families can find great quality of life. Doug, I am super excited to have you with me today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber Champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little bit better. Brandon, thank you. I am really excited to be on the Chamber Chat podcast, and I appreciate the invitation, especially when I get the the chance to talk about how valuable and important a role the chambers are going to play in in moving communities um, through the past, into the present, and then into the future. It's going to be so critically um, instrumental uh, in ensuring the success of communities. And I fundamentally believe that building communities is the single most important job on earth because as long as communities are are successful and prosperous then our families will be able to take care of each other and take care of themselves so uh, i'm really excited to be here something interesting about me i i don't know if there's anything that you haven't said already (laughs) except 
I will add one thing. I was in provincial politics for 13 years for four terms. I resigned on purpose um, to go back to community building, which is is how I wound up in politics. I tell everybody, if you want in politics, just just keep talking. And if you want out of politics, just just keep talking. Keep talking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I have been through rehab. I am fully recovered, <laughs> so I am I am good. I'm pretty uh, pretty blunt and and uh, pretty focused on community building. So I'm glad to be here. Well, I have a 16 year old son who would love to get into politics. So I'm going to have to share that advice with him because he just keeps <laughs> talking all the time. It's like it's going to get you in trouble or it's going to get you somewhere, one or the other, <laughs> or both. <laughs> or both. Yep. <laughs> um, so I, I shared a little bit in your bio, but tell us what you do with 13 ways. What kind of services you offer as a company and organization? What What is your mission and goal that you're after? Yeah, it's um, it, it's kind of funny because it's expanded. I mean, when I resigned from politics and the the second edition, I, I had finished just after that um, and released it. And it's a national bestseller in the US and in Canada. Um, granted, we need about a 10th of the number of sales to be a bestseller here. But it's uh, people ask me uh, to come and speak and to do the 13 ways presentation. And so I've been all over North America speaking. And then people would call me up after and say, so help us. What, what do we do now? And so I would offer up some advice on, you know, what I think strategic planning should look like, focusing more on strategy than on operations, because so many strategic plans are generic and watered down and they're about operations and there's no strategy whatsoever in them. Um, so we, we I, I brought along a couple of people and our team has grown to five and we have specialists in economic development and chamber issues and communication in modernizing main streets with, with designs and socialization in website design and, and social media and traditional marketing strategies. And we've just grown into a pretty exceptional team. And so we, we tend to go into communities and and assess what their real strengths are. They often think that, um, you know, that what they think are their strengths sometimes aren't, and what they think are their weaknesses can actually become strengths. Um, and then we we engage um, people in the community. Um, you know, a lot of public engagement people, um, you know, gather opinions, but you know, people are busy with their day-to-day -day lives. And oftentimes it's the, the tyranny of the urgent, the issue right in front of them they want addressed. And that's not about what's what you need to do to be successful 10 years from now. So we plant seeds with people too, with new ideas. Then we do a strategic plan. And then we do the marketing and communication strategy focused on, on helping people in the community get excited about their potential and and craft, you know, real marketing strategy so they don't get lost in all the noise and new design websites. And so we sort of do the gamut from we need help all the way through to we're, we're ready to take that first step and actually um, bring people in. That's awesome. And I think there's so much value to bringing that perspective from somebody outside of your community to be able to oh, say, yeah. here's your strengths and weaknesses. And it, I relate it back to some of the greatest athletes, you know, the Michael Jordans and Tiger Woods of the world. They all had coaches, right? I mean, they were the best of the best, but they, they still had coaches who could bring a different perspective <clears throat> and help them see those blind spots or the weaknesses and strengths to, to help exploit. So I think that's so key. We often get called community coaches or community therapists because 
most consultants come in and they write a report and they leave. And for our clients, we tell them, once you've hired us, we never go away. We're relentlessly going to <laughs> advise you and and uh, give you strategies to make you successful because you know we we don't just do this to make money we do this because we believe in in the cause we've we've adopted yeah for sure well we're going to talk more today about the 13 ways to kill your community i know a lot of chamber champions are familiar with the book but we'll have some some more maybe deep dive conversation on that as soon as we get back from this quick break Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Oftentimes, Chamber Nation's customers agree that since Amazon is all centralized, then why not their own community, including their professional service providers? Since Chamber Nation includes a full-service membership services department to handle all of your new member onboarding and ongoing support at no extra cost to the members, this is now possible. Once the program is all set up, each member going forward will receive monthly membership ROI reports. The entire community will also have access to community-wide economic development reports that are terrific for supporting grant opportunities, too. With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So, save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. All right, Doug, we are back. And as I mentioned before the break, we're talking about 13 Ways to Kill Your Community, your book. And um, recently, I was invited to join a, a 13 Ways to Kill Your Community for Chambers Facebook page. And that's how we got connected and kind of one thing led to another. And now we're here talking on the podcast. But um, And I'll link to that Facebook group too. So if anybody wants to, to join in and, and add their you know, contributions to the discussions. It's a a great place. But what stood out to me as I started reading your book is you start off with a a story or um, I guess, I mean, it's a real deal where where you address high school students and have them kind of project themselves into the future. Um, But you have kind of a unique twist on it. Do you want to share kind of that, that mindset and kind of set the stage for the discussion? Yeah, sure. I, I, we've actually had people say that that's one of the most valuable stories um, because 
Uh, you know, 13 Ways to Kill Your Community, they say then, isn't about community building. It's about the way we govern and manage our lives. And that's that's where it was born from. So I was a, I was a junior high teacher before. It, it sub, I made enough money to subsidize my ranching habits so I could buy more horses <laughs> and cows. And I, I would go talk to high school students about how to be successful. And it was, it was a pretty straight up presentation, you know. So, you know, study hard, don't do drugs, marry someone nice. It's, it's pretty easy formula. And the, the high school students would look at me and go, I know. My parents told me that. Man, everybody's <laughs> told me that for, for my entire life. I know to do that. And so when I was done, they'd walk out and say, thanks, that was wonderful. But nothing really changed. And then I walked into this classroom and had an epiphany right before I was going to do the presentation. Instead of talking about how to be successful, I asked them to describe what it would look like if they ruined their lives, if they failed. They look down the road and they're 40 years old and they have absolutely ruined their lives. Describe it to me. And so they're high school students. They would say things like, well, I'd, I'd be a drug addict. Um, I'd write that on the board. I'd wind up in jail. I'd write that on the board. I would fail out of school so I couldn't take care of my family. I'd write that on the board. Whatever they came up with, I'd put it on the board. And when they'd finished with compiling a really robust list, I'd say, great, let's pretend you want to do this. Any one of these things, you want to ruin your life, how would you start today? So I'd say, you want to be a drug addict? What would you do today to get down, start on that path? And I mean, they're high school students, so they'd hum and haw and nobody would say anything until one person would put up their hand and say, well, if I wanted to become a drug addict, I'd, I'd smoke a joint after school. And two kids would turn red because that's what they did yesterday. And, they, you know, they'd also debate, well, alcohol is worse than, than marijuana. And regardless, they'd, they started to realize what they were doing that day that would lead them down that path. Because I guarantee you, not a single person has ever said, I want to become a drug addict. If you, if you meet a drug addict, none of them say, hey, this was my lifelong ambition, but somehow we, we get there. We wind up in jail. We wind up marrying somebody we're not happy with. We wind up doing all sorts of things that ruin our lives. And, and it's because we don't pay attention we, uh, to what we're doing now. We wind up trading away what we want most 20 years from now in our lives for what we want now that's pleasurable, easy, and convenient. And it just... I tell that story because then it struck me that I was working with communities and talking about how to be successful. And they'd all say, yeah, yeah, we know. But it, they were doing things that were the opposite of what they needed to do to be successful. Yeah. So that it really helps to apply that same kind of exercise to communities and say, if your goal is to kill your community, where do you start? And then you've yeah. got these 13 ways. So why don't we run down real quick what the 13 ways are, and I'm sure we'll circle back to, to certain ones in our discussion, but that way, just to kind of set the table for the discussion, what, what are the 13 ways how communities kill or how people kill their communities? Well, uh, the number one is, is forget the water. I mean, water is so critical and fundamental to our success. And I've, I, I have a lot of, I mean, Alberta is an oil and gas sort of jurisdiction. And, and a lot of uh, my former colleagues and I talk and they say, oh, the economy runs on, on oil and the next world war will be fought over oil. It's so fundamental to our economy. And I always point out to them, the last world war will be fought over water because whoever controls water controls everything. I mean, you my grandpa always reminded me, you, you can go for three minutes without air, three days without water, and three weeks without food, and then you die. You can do without just about everything else, but these are so fundamental. And yet we, we sometimes take for granted that we have clean water, or, and we get upset when we don't, and, and, and nobody shows up for a, 
you know, a ribbon cutting on a new sewer line or a new water line. Everyone shows up for the new ribbon cutting on the football arena or yeah. the, you know, but we don't show up for those things that are so fundamentally important. And I hear people complain about paying for water um, and the prices that they pay, but most people I know pay more than that for cable TV. So it's, uh, we, we, we forget how fundamentally important it is. So water is the first one. Attracting business is the second one. The third one is don't engage youth. Um, and it, it, it has the quintessential story about how we do the opposite of what we mean to. Every strategic plan I've seen in a community says engage more youth. Every presentation I do, someone says, how do we get more young people here? How do we get them to stay here? But, but offline, I hear them talking about how there's no hope and no future in the community and all the young people need to move to the city because there's no business opportunities and no jobs. And then they sit there and wonder why they leave when all of their conversations chase them away and force them out of town. Um, deceive yourself is number four. Um, we get into shop elsewhere, which I know is popular, which is of commerce. Uh, it's chapter five. Chapter six is don't paint, followed by don't cooperate in the past. And I, that's one of my favorite chapters, yeah. talking about the, the NIMBYs, the NOPES, the bananas, the cave people, and the fears, all acronyms for different perspectives that, that sabotage our, our thinking about the future. Nine is seniors to shut them out. 10 is reject every new idea. 11, ignore outsiders. 12 is grow complacent. And that's that's particularly for communities that are doing well and assume they will always do well, which is not the case. And the last one is chapter 13, don't take responsibility. It's a great way to ensure your community fails is just to turn around and blame other people for it. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those uh, Those 13 ways really should be eye openers, I think, when you put it in that perspective of here's how you kill your community. I mean, <laughs> if you if you went after it from the perspective of do these things and you'll be prosperous and do well, it gets ignored. So uh, well, it I does. Think, and everyone goes, yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> Except exactly. you're yeah. also doing the opposite. And that's most of us can find success if we just stop doing the things that sabotage that success. Exactly. So on this 13 ways to kill your community Facebook group uh, for chambers, I, I posed the question out there. This is the first time I've done this for a, a podcast episode. I, I actually asked people what questions they would like to have you answer. And I got some, some good questions. So uh, we didn't go any, you know, we didn't do any prep, you and I, on this. So I'm just going to ask you some of these questions, have you feel them and, and circle back to stories out of the book as you see applicable. Um, but the first one is what is the biggest thing that chambers get wrong about community development and their role in it? You know, what, what might be that blind spot for, for chambers of commerce? That's a, that's a great question. And I, I may, it's a big category because there's quite a few things that, that chambers get wrong. There's things that all of us get wrong. So I, I don't, want anyone to think I'm being hypercritical of chambers. But so if we're going to focus on chambers, um, th there are multiple things. One, uh, chambers often think that they're the be all and end all of business um, and that their role is simply to advocate or lobby for businesses. And and then you get the mindset or you get the, the perspective that, hey, um, we need to lower taxes to make businesses more profitable and get rid of the regulations. Um, and that becomes the the core, the, the fundamental issue that chambers deal with. And yet that might have worked back in the 80s when, when businesses did locate just where they, you had the lowest taxes and you had the least number of regulations, but that's not the way the world works anymore. 
Um, in fact, back in the 80s, my, my parents used to move to where the jobs were, I'm my parents' generation. But now the jobs move to where people want to live. And so economic development is community building. Successful businesses is community building. Community building is economic development. They're, 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 you can't separate them anymore. And so chambers of commerce need to also advocate for reasonable taxes, reasonable regulations to make sure that you can create um, the kind of community that's going to attract people who want to live there. And then businesses will attract there because you now have a workforce. Um, but I, you know, I see so many chambers just saying, oh, we're the highest tax jurisdiction. And most of the time that's a lie. Um, but the impression, I have yet to go to a community where people don't say, oh, we're the highest tax jurisdiction in the entire state or the entire province. Everyone believes that, but that can't be true for everyone. Right. Um, and in most cases, it's not. So um, chambers could help with that. Um, and and the other big issue that I think chambers miss, and again, this isn't every chamber, but um, a lot of chambers get so buried in what um, they think they're supposed to be doing. They forgot what's what's important. So uh, we've seen many chambers that charge membership dues to businesses to raise funds so they can hire someone to put on a big event so that they can raise enough money to keep paying someone to collect dues so they can put on a big event. And around and around we go. Yeah. And yet, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, businesses, uh, chambers, um, should be helping with some professional development for businesses about about how to make their business more successful, about how to how to ensure that they have quality brick and mortar locations, but also have an online presence so they can grow. Showing them how to how to reach out beyond the community with their business practices, but also to fully engage the community so that people want to shop local. The whole mantra "shop local" is a is a guilt ridden mantra that doesn't work anymore. You've got to give people a reason to want to shop local. So those would be a few of the big things that I think chambers miss. Absolutely. What just struck a chord with me was the, you know, helping the businesses be able to sell brick and mortar, but online as well. And reminds me of the, the chapter of shop elsewhere, right? If you're not helping your members be able to sell their products online, essentially people are shopping elsewhere and that's going to have effects down the road. Yeah. One of the challenges businesses we hear from businesses, which I, I mean, chambers can help with this, is that I don't have time. I don't have time to have an online presence. I don't have time to wash the windows and put up a window display that will attract people in or to beautify the business or to change the aroma or to, I don't have time. Except, except it falls right into that old mantra. Why does everyone not have time to do it right, but they have time to do it again? Right. If you don't take time to do it now, you might not be in business and then you'll have nothing but time, but it'll be too late. That's right. I had seen a, a quote and I wish I could give proper attribution to it, but it was along the lines of if you uh, had the importance of having systems and if you're too busy to have systems, you'll always be too busy. So you need to <laughs> be able to set aside the time to do things right. Um. So one of the, the next questions that I wanted to, to pose to you, as we, you had mentioned chambers being, uh, having a key role in economic development, community development. So if that's the role of a chamber is to help develop and help their community progress, how does a chamber get others, particularly government entities to take them seriously? 
Yeah, I we've seen a lot of communities where the the chamber is trying to be progressive. They're trying to help with beautification downtown and create more events to draw businesses downtown. Um, and it falls on deaf ears with the the larger economic development authority or alliance or the the town or the city or the county or the and uh, my I have the same advice for everyone um, around this. Most of the time, we see our role and we see our job. And we expect other organizations to realize how important we are. Um, or, or if they don't, we do a presentation to explain why our role is important and how important we are. Uh, so it's like, um, it's like we're, we're lobbying constantly to get attention. And if you want to be successful, stop lobbying and start building relationships. Because then you can find common ground and you can find common understanding. So I, I say all the time, I, we see chambers of commerce show up with a PowerPoint presentation to explain why businesses are important. Everyone knows businesses are important. We see chambers of commerce do a presentation to explain why the chamber of commerce is important. Of course they are. But instead, find common ground between you and the town. I mean, they're important too. If you want to talk to somebody and build a relationship, you don't show up and say, I'm amazing and I'm important to you because I do this. You, the art of conversation is to find common ground, to find out what motivates them, to find out what interests them, and then to find um, how you can link your common motivations and your common understanding and your common purpose together and build an alliance. Well, that's that's what Chambers should be doing. I mean, is So while my advice is always... Stop thinking you need to show up at town council with a presentation and start with beer and burgers. Like, honestly, start with building a relationship and a common understanding so you know each other's first names. If you know the names of their kids and they know the names of your kids, it's really hard for you to argue because you start to, <laughs> to appreciate your human beings. And, and then when you've got common goals about growing the downtown core with new housing and beautification to make the businesses profitable, which increases the tax bases, it generates new businesses and new employment. I mean, now you have a common understanding and you can talk about how you're going to achieve it together. Instead of saying, look, I'm important and you need to do this for me in order for me to be successful. The, every organization has 50 people showing up and saying that. It starts to fall on deaf ears because it gets tiring. Build relationships to distinguish yourself. Right. I love that advice. Um, as we, you know, in different communities, there may be different initiatives that come up and a chamber may get behind the idea of, you know, a beautification project, or maybe it's something, you know, legislative that they're trying to get behind that's pro-business. And um, in the book, you talked about the different factions, you know, when you come up to, to voting and, it, and you mentioned specifically the fourth faction, which is the largest, which is those that in the community that are just disengaged. They don't show up to vote. They don't pay attention to what's going on in the community necessarily. So this next question would be kind of around that. How do we rally the troops to get them engaged? Or how do we get that community buy-in, um, especially in a world where we see more decline with volunteers and youth joining civic organizations? And um, how do we reach out to them and make, make it a priority for them to be engaged? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, there's so much to unpack in there. <laughs> You're right. Those, those, um, there's always those factions, those in support of something, those opposed to something, and the 95% of people that have no idea what's going on and don't care because they're so busy with the day-to-day -day lives. We, we've lost the art of real communication. Um, 
And I, I don't know that it's it's a recent loss. It's it's been going on for a while. I mean, a lot of communication has, has got drilled down to press releases and newsletters and announcements and not a lot of real conversation. And with social media, that's just amped up. Now, now you you put out a press release and 500 other organizations have the same idea and it gets lost in the noise. So my advice always is to go back um, to the original social network, the word of mouth communication. Uh, you, you want to move people, the majority of people, to start to, to be excited about the future and where you're going and what you're doing. You got to have the conversation with them. Um, again, it, it, it's the same sort of argument with the with the town and chambers. Build some of those relationships. You've got to listen a lot to what what people's issues are, and and then inspire them about what the potential for the future is, so that you, they know what you're doing and why. I mean, I can't I can't tell you how many communities I've seen that decide we're going to undertake a downtown beautification project. Now they they understand the twinkle lights and the frontage. Uh, redoing the fronts and and more social activities brings people downtown, which makes businesses more profitable. It increases the social center and makes it a hub. And it it's a way to revitalize our downtowns. And then you hear everyone in the community say, "Well, this is this is just fluff. Why are we doing this?" Because they they don't understand why. There's good there's good research, good good evidence to show that it's valuable, but we don't talk to people about it and explain why. And then we wonder why they're opposed. And then that that other faction that's typically not engaged is easily swayed by the NIMBYs, the NOPES, the bananas, the cave people, and the fears, those negative people that are constantly critics and, and afraid of what everyone's doing. And, and so even when they're not very inspired still to participate, they'll sign the petition, they'll drop in a form letter email. And, and suddenly there's this wave of opposition and it's because we haven't properly communicated. And so I, my advice is always, reinvigorate the original social network, the face-to-face the -face communication. You, you can't do it once. You can't do it twice. You got to do it a million times. You got to do it forever. And if you ever stop, then the relationship stops. And then, you know, some of those, some of those that, that can help with the buy-in and the excitement. And then volunteers understand why, instead of just, well, I need you to do this. They understand why they're doing it. And they're connecting it. Every, every good business, every good company has had a vision for the company and every single employee from, from the janitor to the CEO understands what they're trying to achieve in the vision they have. And then they understand their role in helping make that a reality and they want it to be successful. We should be doing that with our communities. That's why we changed our, why we have a different approach for strategic planning. And then the, we also, with the, even when we get more volunteers when people buy in because they really get why we're doing it and it's exciting and they want to be part of an authentic community, which is only accentuated more since this pandemic. We also have to understand how people volunteer. So I hear way too many people say, oh, these young people don't care about their community and they don't want to volunteer. That's complete garbage. That is such garbage. These, the, the younger generation of millennials and the generation Z, Z are, are actually very staunch community builders. They're very concerned about their communities and where they live. The challenge we have is that they don't want to volunteer the way older generations did. There's, there's, there's not one of them that wants to join the Elks and show up for a meeting the third Thursday of every month and drink a bunch of beer and go, yeah, let's volunteer. They don't want that commitment, but you give them a, a project, a gig to, to work on, and they will volunteer on that project. You know, you've got a, an environmental cause, you've got to clean up a park, you've got to do something like that. They'll come. They just don't want to have to show up the third Thursday of every month at a meeting. And, and it's part of 
the way society's evolved. We live in a gig culture now, and that's the way they respond. So we got to stop complaining that they don't want to volunteer and start creating opportunities for them to volunteer in the way they want to volunteer instead of lamenting the fact they don't do what we've done for 40 years. Sorry, I know that was really long. No, but like, no that's good. I like that point that being in a gig culture, and that's how we engage the youth now is it's one one gig at a time, right? We got this I cleanup see. project or whatever. and Yeah, it, in but, fact, one of my favorite examples, Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say. Sorry, Brandon, for I get so excited about this. Yeah. yeah, if you're asking for that long-term commitment, they kind of glaze over. So I think that's a great point. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, because uh, I'm I get so excited about this stuff. This is why I love doing <laughs> these presentations. But one of my favorite stories was from, um, it was a young man in a in a community of about three thousand people in the U.S. and he wanted to clean up one of the local parks. Um, and, and it was him that wanted to do it. So he went to the town to say, hey, I'm going to do this. Can I do this? Well, the response was, well, we should get you some garbage bags. And actually, we need to double check and make sure our insurance covers it. Because if you fall and break your leg or crack your head open, we might be insured. Oh, and by the way, we, maybe we should put a budget to get those garbage bags for you. And then we should actually create a, a, a notice so that other people can come and join. And they had all sorts of issues to deal with. And they said, come back in six months and we'll, we'll, we should be approved by then. Well, he, he looked at them and said, forget you i don't think he used that yeah, f word yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and, but he went to the park with a bunch of his friends and they cleaned up the park they took pictures of it before and it wasn't bad they just wanted to you know brighten it up and they took pictures of it after he got into trouble from the town because he didn't get permission but he posted the pictures on instagram and thousands of other young people did the same thing in their community. They said, this is a great idea. I think the hashtag was clean my community or clean up my community or clean up my park, something like that. Thousands and thousands of young people from Canada and the United States went into their community and cleaned it up. There was a massive movement. And, and yet not one municipality was responsible for it or instigated it. And it just demonstrates that that these younger generations don't need permission. They're not waiting for authority. They don't give a damn what your title is. They're used to working in a gig economy in a flat environment. And when they see a cause they want, they're going to go take care of it. So that makes them some of the most ardent community volunteers we've ever seen. And we need to embrace that and find opportunities for them to succeed. Absolutely. I'm sure there wasn't one lawsuit either of somebody tripping in, in the park while they're cleaning not, up trash. <laughs> not one. Not one. It was amazing. Yeah. So and if I understand you right, word of mouth trumps press releases for those that, that is, are disengaged, right? <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. Um, so the next question that we had is, is the chamber model that we currently have, is it missing something or is it not providing the true needs of the businesses in our community? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, there are some modern chambers that are doing some pretty interesting things. But like I said before, this traditional chamber model seems to be collect some funds in membership dues to hire someone to put on an event, to raise enough funds to keep that person hired, to collect membership dues and put on an event. And round and round we go. And yet they're one of the, the biggest things I think that's missing the chamber should be doing is some professional development for their businesses, um, showing them um, you know, how to enhance the bricks and mortar, having classes for them to, you know, there's still so many consults going around and you spend $10,000 to get a website designed. And if you're 
you got the wrong person if that's what it's costing to, to design. You should, there's so many easy ways to set one up very easily. I'm doing a little training about social media. I mean, there's there's a there's a business in Williston, North Dakota that I was so impressed with, um, Grace and Glam. You, they started off with a, the main street was redesigned and beautified. And then this business opened up and it was very chic. It was very nice, but you can imagine in Williston, they had a smaller client base, but as they continued to sell product, they moved on to Instagram and, and they started posting pictures of their clothes and clients would then post pictures of them wearing their clothes and built this sort of um, culture. Um, this unique culture that they owned. And now they get orders from all over the United States and Canada for their clothes. They do more of their business on Instagram than they do on Main Street, but they need both and they would like both. We could use a little professional development for businesses like that. Um, and I think chambers are the organization that can take the lead. Um, and and so they've, they've got to sort of get over the mindset that the businesses are going to tell the chambers to lobby the town and start to think you're a collective resource to help us grow the business community and make each of us more profitable and then focus on, on some of that professional development too. I think that's a great response. Um, good, good uh, fodder for, uh, <laughs> for chambers to listen to and, and figure out how can they continue to stay relevant and, and kind of adjust their, their business models. Um, this next question that I have is, is one that I was thinking of as I was reading through the book and you, you touched on it some in the book, but I wanted to hear just straight perspective from you in today's world. Um, what is the importance of community? Oh, wow. That's a, all right. So <laughs> we got an hour or so left. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, we, we do this because I think community building is the single most important job on earth. Um, and I, I've thought that way since, since I, when I entered politics back in 2002. Uh, and if anything, it's more true today than it's ever been. Now, I know being in political circles, I, a lot of people say family is the most important thing. But I, I'm kind of hesitant about governments or programs um, to serve families because families are so different and so diverse. I actually believe if we focus on building communities, then leadership is successful, businesses are profitable, and families can take care of themselves and each other. So I always encourage all three levels of government to focus on community building. And that has been everything I had, had lobbied for and argued about for the last 20 plus years has, has been proved um, important through and post pandemic. And, and it's because we, we, um, you know, we discovered that if if we were homebound because we were sick, that Amazon didn't send us a note to say, hey, are you okay? They sent a note and said, hey, it's Friday. It's a good time to shop. <laughs> That's it. But I heard, I've heard countless stories of you know, business saying, well, you know, they come in every three days and I haven't seen them all week. And they'll call and say, hey, is everything okay? And they're there to support each other and help each other. And we've we've actually seen we saw the trend before the pandemic. Um, and I've I've argued about this. I've I've presented the evidence about this. People moving from um, Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York into places like Boise, Idaho, and Des Moines, Iowa, and Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Zinesville, Indiana. And so they're they're moving to to communities that are offering a quality of life. And it's it post pandemic or coming out of this pandemic. 
uh, even during the pandemic, people were were fleeing to their parents' place in small towns or to the cottage country, like to get out of the city. And and th- this pandemic has made us all aware that we can now work from home. We can do a lot of stuff from home, and that we really want to be in a community that we can, where we can go down to the yoga studio, we can go to the brew pub, we can go to the the locally owned coffee shop, we can socialize and talk to each other on Main Street again. We're craving that desperately after being locked up for two years. And so it's demonstrated just how important community is. And it's also demonstrated that this notion that rural communities, small towns are dying um, is no longer true. That's where people want to be. And if we are ready to be to modernize and to, to provide the quality of life you want, we're 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 the ones that aren't stuck with a lot of infrastructure and and uh, uh, sunk costs like the cities are. So we can't rejuvenate as quickly. We can do it very quickly, and they're looking for us. We just need to make the changes necessary and attract them out there. So, I mean, everything to me has demonstrated, especially in the last few years, just how vital communities are to the human psychology. Um, and and I think this is a ripe opportunity. In fact, the next book I'm working on is uh, 13 um, Pathways Forward uh, for Communities. It's it's you know it's about the mindsets and the things that we can do to capitalize on on what's coming. I like that. Um, so I guess the basis for that question about the importance of community in today's environment is so much is done online, and you had mentioned Amazon and. Um, I just, I wanted to give a plug for the, the Alberta chambers. I mean, right there in your region is doing some pretty interesting things with taking things digitally, putting their, you know, the business members online and, and helping set up e-commerce sites and, and doing some of these innovative things that is building their community so people can shop online, but still support Alberta and, and the chambers in that region. So I think there's, um, a lot of significance still to community, even in the world of, you know, technology and, and internet and so forth. Um, in your book, you had mentioned that you're always looking and observing other ways that people go about commun- killing their communities. Is there a, a couple examples that you've learned since writing the book that, that you'd be ready to share that you've learned of, of way, new ways that you've found and or, or discovered? Yeah, I actually, I have a list in a folder on my desk of 13 more ways to kill your community. More. Um, yeah, there's a, <laughs> it's a long list. It's, it's amazing how, how often people find new ways to sabotage their own success. It's a, um, so if if I was to write another 13 ways to kill your community, the first chapter would be don't have connectivity and broadband service. Here in Canada, it's been declared an essential service. The, the funding isn't quite there yet to, to start to back it up. And we still haven't even addressed all of our water issues, especially to our First Nations and Indigenous communities yet. But I'm, I'm confident that we're going to address that. But but everything, the, the way the world is changing um, especially again, post-pandemic, we can do education online important to the future of our communities and opens all those doors up to attract new people um, that it's as important as water is. I mean, and you you will die without it. Um, So that would be one of the top ones. The um, uh, another new one that uh, I've added to the list since uh, through the pandemic or over the last few years um, is let politics 
divide you. Mm-hmm. We've seen, and it's it's uh, across, I think it's around the whole world, actually. Um, we've seen this notion that, you know, the right is always right and the left is always wrong or vice versa. This, this polarizing of politics, um, we have got to prevent from infiltrating our community building. Um, because community is about having people with different opinions and different walks of life and diversity all being together. That's what makes a community. If if we all agreed, if we all had the exact same mindset, um, then, I mean, it's not healthy. In fact, there's been research done on, on corporations and boards of directors that all have, this is my quote, but if you have a board of directors that that are all quote unquote qualified, now that you've got 10 people who are all the most qualified to run a business, it, historically, they were 50-year-old white males with MBAs. But if you put 10, 50-year-old white males with MBAs in a room, you get one opinion because they all have the same background, the same experience, the same education. You need diversity to be successful. And it's the same with communities. But but we, we've got this notion that we, we all need to think alike and be alike. And anyone who isn't exactly like us is now the enemy. And that is tearing our communities apart for the sake of ideology. And ideology, I have never found to be right. Ideas are what are important to help our communities yeah. move forward. And so I would, I would say, you know, the chapter two of the next book would be let ideology rip you apart, rip your community apart. Yeah, that is powerful. That's a, a very real example that we've been seeing lately. So. Yeah, and it's been all over the world. I'm. It's not anyone. It's not in any particular jurisdiction. But it's it's a dangerous precedent, and it's built on anger. And I anger, you know, I I I don't have it in the book, but I say it during the presentations. The second most evil of all human traits is envy, because it sabotages our own success um, when we're envious of others. We need people in the community to be successful. But the most evil of all human traits is anger. And I use the phrase, your anger is a liar. It's a self-propagating hatred machine. And we all experienced it. You, you, you go to work hitting potholes and then the front end of your car doesn't, you know, it swerves a little bit and you're angry and you didn't get the promotion at work. And you come home and, and the kids didn't take the garbage out. And you're like, I told you to take the garbage out. And it, it just continues to feed until it becomes a rage. If you're in a happy mood and you come home and you see the kids didn't take the garbage out, you're like, Come on. I, I asked you to try and remember and the angry you are, the more angry you look to become. And our anger is ripping our communities apart and it's being fed by politics and we've got to get around it or we're going to sabotage our own success. Yeah. Well, I hope you do come out with that book of 13 more ways <laughs> to kill your community. Um, as we start wrapping things up here, I wanted to ask, and you've, you've been very generous with time and, and knowledge and insight, but what might be one tip or action item that you would suggest for a chamber champion to do to help lift their community up to the next level? Well, I mean start the conversation about what the, the future can be and make sure the conversation is positive. Now we can, we can always cite, you know, what's wrong. Oh, our main street's ugly or our, our town doesn't work with us or our taxes are too high. Start with, with um, something positive and help educate people. And so my advice, the very first bit of advice I always give to chambers of commerce is have a, um, a session on customer service. Uh, I, I, because I've been to lots of small towns and go into the businesses and they look at me like, yeah. who are you and what are you doing here? Yay for customer service. I mean, every <laughs> single 
person you connect with in a community is a reflection of that community. So all it takes is the very first person to be unfriendly or look grumpy or look like they're, they're, they're not, you're not welcome. And man, the impression of the, is that the whole town is like that. So customer service, whether you're going into the town office or going into a business, it doesn't take a lot to smile and say, Hey, welcome. This is great. And, 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 you know, there's so many ways to improve that customer service. And it's funny, the, I mean, evident psychological research shows that if we smile, even when we don't feel like smiling, we eventually feel like smiling. It put, it changes our mood. If you walk around with a scowl, you get angrier. If you walk around with a smile, even if you don't mean it, eventually it becomes a real smile. So just, just realizing and helping the businesses realize that when a new person from out of town shows up on main street, that first impression is everything because it, it changes the tone, changes the brand, changes the story into something positive instead of into something negative. Um, and so my advice is, is that talk about how you can, you can sell your community with a smile. I love that tip. And in fact, in today's world where we have become more digital and chambers have been used to doing, you know, hybrid events and, and doing things over zoom and they've, they've dove into the digital part of things. I would maybe take it a step further and do this educational series or, or training or whatever you want to call it on customer service, but record it and you know create a library of things like this. So your employers in your community, as they onboard new employees five years down the road, 10 years down the road, they can access these trainings on customer service. Cause some of those things are, you know, they're always applicable and it, it continues to show the relevance for the chamber. It puts a good face on your community. It creates you know, stronger business there. It's just a win-win all the way around. But I would encourage chambers to capture that and create a library that can be shared amongst the businesses in your community. That's brilliant because it's a good reminder after a year or two to watch, even if you've watched it once already, a good reminder that mm, customer service. No, that's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. So. I like asking everybody I have on the show this question. As we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? Well, I think um, changing that that old world story, that same pattern of of behavior, same pattern of operations, um, is uh, is what needs to change. And but anyone who thinks that. Um, Chambers are are defunct and that they're going to fade away doesn't understand the value of chambers. What what's going to go away is the old way of operating um, and chambers that are going to be successful that are going to provide value for that that membership do that are going to provide value for the council that needs the advice on what businesses are looking for not just the lowest taxes and least regulations but actually bringing socialization downtown and beautification and helping ensure that they're prosperous. That's the future. And chambers are going to have no problem being successful um, if they're prepared to adapt, just like every other organization and every other business adapt or die. That's right. Uh, and go back and read this book. And if you want to kill your chamber, there's a course out here for you to do it. <laughs> there's a path for you to follow. <laughs> uh, well, Doug, I have, Really enjoyed our conversation and having you here with me on Chamber Chat Podcast today. I want to give you an opportunity to, to share any contact information or ways for people to connect if they have any 
questions about what we talked about today, or if they wanted to connect with you about their community and the services you offer, what would be the best way for them to, to reach out and connect with you? Um, so my email is doug at 13ways.ca or .com. We have both now. Um, and that's 13ways.ca or .com. Um, and there's my cell number too. I always advise people, and you'll hear if you call me, um, I, I say, please don't leave a message. You're better to text me and say, hey, here's my name. Here's where I'm from. Can we schedule a time to chat? And then I can text you back. And otherwise you leave a voicemail and then I have to stop what I'm doing and call in and write it down on a piece of paper and I'll put it away in my pants and then I'll wash them and I'll forget. And you'll think I'm a jerk because I didn't call back. So text <laughs> on my cell, um, 587-335-0013. And of course you can always look up 13 ways on, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, check out our website, 13ways.ca or.com. Um, where we have a lot of, we have free uh, masterclasses on strategic planning, on marketing and communications. And, and so check it all out. We also have a, uh, a community leaders camp coming up in the beautiful Rocky Mountains at the end of April. Uh, and we have a few spots left. Uh, it's going to be intimate. There's only going to be about 50 people with some amazing keynote speakers. Um, so you can check out that information. Um, and if you can't find what you're looking for, then just reach out because odds are if you need it and we haven't created it yet to help, there's a thousand other people that need it too. And so we'll get to work on it. So I, I reach out. Absolutely. I'll, I'll get all that um, contact information in our show notes for this episode, which will be found at chamberchatpodcast.com slash episode 164. But Doug, this has been a real treat to have you on the podcast and I really appreciate you sharing your time with us today and sharing these key insights as well. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate the work you're doing too with helping chambers. It was so critical uh, of an element to building communities. I, I just can't thank you enough. Keep up the great work. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. From athletes to business leaders, successful people from every walk of life have a coach. They realize that the next level is a continuous learning journey, and they continually seek fresh ideas and advice. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching supplies the professional coaching and guidance your membership rep needs to navigate challenges and consistently drive more revenue for your chamber. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of next level coaching.